Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Parenting Hour. You're tuned into Unity FM 93.5 here in the hearts of the West Midlands in city of Birmingham, the bright, active and energetic city of Birmingham and the West Midlands. And also welcome to our listeners that are tuned into us down in Milton Keynes and Luton and 105.1. We have a live session here with you this evening, so please do ring us in and join in the conversation on 0121-772-8892. That's 0121-772-8892. The people, the managers are in the studio, the phone lines are on, they're ready at their emails as well. If you want to email, it's info at unityfm.net and we would like to have a really good conversation interactive conversation and get you involved this evening and how you can change things for the next generation in regards to our planet in regards to the crisis we're talking about there now the emergency crisis it actually is an emergency crisis and people are waking up i think more and more um, not our, our guest because she's been active for many years on this. But recently I've seen messages from lots of other organizations and people that are really interested and knowing what can we do. It's not too late. Come, let's do something now because we do need to act now. Uh, I've been intrigued watching some TV programs about the ice melting and the poles and how that's affecting our environment. And there's a lot more happening. And of course, our guest is going to tell us all about this and what's happening and what are the causes and why we need to be proactive and proactive now. We cannot be reactive anymore. It is too late to be reactive. So with that, let me welcome Joe. Joe Hindley. Joe Hello. Hindley. Hello, Joe. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen. I was just going to say, Joe, that people might hear your voice and be thinking, oh, I know that voice. This is often due to talking about babies and birth and, and antenatal and postnatal issues and home birth because you've been on the show many times before. But they may not always have heard you in disrespect. No, I haven't been very public in disrespect until more recently. And I'm still trying to find my way, trying to find my voice on this area because um you know, it's, uh, I've been quite conversant about all about birth and all that sort of thing. But this is, um, this has become the issue that I really feel I need to talk and share with people about now. Uh, and so right too. Um, can you tell us a bit about why we need to be talking about this now? Because just imagine there's people tuned in this evening that have never heard anything before, never thought about the climate getting on with their daily life, busy with their kids, don't have time to watch TV or read a newspaper. And this is the first time that they're listening to something. Yes. Well, I just wanted to pick up immediately on your intro, really, which is a really good lead in. And absolutely all those things, you know, everybody's very busy just with day to day managing and, and survival, you know, getting their food on the table. And, you know, especially after the pandemic, so many people have been affected so, so awfully terribly with with loss of loved ones and all the rest and just getting through through the pandemic has been well and still it's ongoing so many people who are ill and sick but just you know you're saying for the next generation well you know the really um disturbing and alarming thing and this is you know bringing together my my role as a midwife is we could be the last generation 
so you know this is we think about our children and our children's children but in reality the state of the world at the moment and of the planet and the way that we're living means that this could well be the end of life as we know it on earth so it's absolutely pressing beyond um beyond any sort of comparison and um, the urgency of our situation and sadly um it could well be and um, that it's an impossible situation that we're already um past the tipping points for so many of the um things that that are happening with the ice melting and sea rising and the forests all burning um that we may have passed the point of no return that we can't stop it but um that's not to say that we shouldn't act and act now to do what we can because um we need to try to um mitigate the extremities of what can happen mm-hmm. so you know the environment has you know been something lovely you know to watch on television david attenborough life on earth lovely animal programs and you know thinking oh how lovely how beautiful but actually you know the situation as david attenborough himself has highlighted to us over his recent programs is dire um and you know of all those lovely wild animals that he shows us on um on the programs in fact um some incredible number sort of uh, i can't i think it's 96% of on all animals on earth are not wild animals they are um pigs and cows and sheep we're lost all the wild animals and the birds most of the birds that we have on the planet at the moment um are chickens our poultry most of our species of birds we have lost because of our appetites for eating and um, meat and um, and so it's not just our own um possible last generation we're talking about life on earth and species going extinct and um, we're living through the sixth mass extinction on the planet earth there have been five times previously on the planet earth when there's been a mass extinction of life on earth and one of the most serious of those there was 98% of all life on earth was lost and um the tragedy of it is we could well be heading for that wow wow are we ready for that uh, you know i'm listening here 5 p.m. on tuesday evening early september 2021 <laughs> oh is, is this i'm sorry breaking this through to you if you haven't heard it and this is the tragedy and the the dreadful thing that um the truth is not and has not been being told we have not been hearing about this on our news um uh, and that's despite the fact that um the united nations at the beginning of last month has published and it was at their second really serious report they published the previous one 4 years ago but they published the international um panel on climate changes report um which is documenting all the scientific evidence about climate change and saying it's code red for humanity now that hit the headline maybe for a day but it's not hitting the headlines every day although the bbc is getting getting better but it's still not to the fore there with every newsreel we're hearing about all a lot of terrible um severe weather events that are happening and you know it's just keeping our finger on the pulse of our planet of what's happening that 
these are this is what's happening things that were once in a lifetime severe weather events are seemingly happening well every year every week at the moment we're seeing aren't we terrible things happening around our earth absolutely and food chains as you say have been disturbed because for whatever reason either the fires or whether it's just the ice melts that something affects a food chain down the line and we know one little where it starts small but it goes big like this then after that the effects of that it's great the way you you bring in your medical knowledge into this because you know when you said your fingers on the pulse and we've done the diagnosis really but mm. we haven't done or started the treatment we haven't mm-hmm. even tested or piloted any of the treatment really when we're we're talking about it there's a little bit here and there i suppose there's electric cars and things which we can talk about but it's not we're not like if you were in a hospital uh, you would have and putting it relate to a patient maybe a diagnose a problem or an illness or like even covid you have a group of people coming together experts coming together and working quickly on that to then treat the problem put process in place put strategies in place put things in place do you think that's happening now at the moment like if we replicate that within government within councils within the uh, the, the leaders of our our countries Unfortunately not. No, I don't think it is happening. Um in a few countries around the world there are um there are creative things happening. Um I would particularly cite countries that are um putting prioritizing well-being as their measure of success performance over GDP, over money making. Um New Zealand, Iceland, um some other countries as well um have been championing this as a way forward where they see that you know people's health and well-being and actually the physical environment's health and well-being has not been being cared for by um big business and by um GDP so you know those are hopeful measures and those are um petitions circulating at the moment to say come on we need to do this here um because unfortunately our um politics is driven by short-term goals and it's very much um uh in cahoots with big oil big business and um, big capitalism and it's that sort of big business that's actually destroying us and killing us and killing people now already um and uh, you're right yes as as healthcare professionals there's a real you know i feel a real sense of urgency about this and not me alone um i don't know if people saw in london over the last couple of weeks couple of weeks ago there was um extinction rebellion were very active in london trying to highlight the issues especially the role of the city of london and the you know the bank of england and and the banks um absolutely how they are financing and underwriting coal oil and gas investment and not just current projects but new exploration and projects that are releasing more co2 in the atmosphere um and one of the biggest investment banks um uh, jp morgan who's like since the paris agreement um of 2016 when there were accords agreed to reduce um carbon um investment um fossil fuel investment they've invested 317 billion pounds in coal oil and gas so um it, we it was actually a focus of an action taken by doctors 
and other healthcare professionals of Extinction Rebellion. And you can see the reports of that action in The Guardian and in The Independent, um, where doctors and healthcare professionals had a die-in outside JP Morgan to highlight this extreme um uh well just you know invest investing in our our complete destruction and um the consequences of that for vulnerable um communities especially children and it's ironic that in the same week as um well pretty much the same week as the the United Nations report and this you know this action we were focusing on the UNICEF the um UNICEF report that came out of the UN just saying uh, that 2.2 children in the world are at extremely high risk from aspects impacts of climate change and air pollution at this moment um, and in 33 countries around the world, over 1 billion children are at risk of about three to four impacts simultaneously. So um, it is just, um, well, it's extreme. So if we were in the emergency room at a hospital, the alarms are all ringing. And, you know, we are... Um, it really is the most extreme situation of um, of of the the planet. In fact, at this rebellion in London, there was a very creative group of people from Worcester um, who were dressed up. I mean, we were genuine medics and healthcare professionals outside JP Morgan, but this group from Worcester were were imaginary planetary medics, and they had a globe, uh, a globe, a world that um, they had painted and a big brick globe they were carrying around on a stretcher and um they had sort of uh you know resuscitation um sort of a jump leads to resuscitate this poor old globe who they were um acting out with their performance protest that the globe is sick <laughs> wow. it's, yes. it's a good analogy and it's a good i can have that picture in my head now what were they or what would you have if you had the choice or if you were there being a decision maker on that emergency trolley and who would you have with you around you as part of that emergency team so the team and the trolley to to get to resuscitate resuscitate the environment mm. well i think you know i mean as a midwife my angle of things has very much been not the emergency room but sort of prevention in the first place so you know about um you know health promotion and health care keeping healthy because my job as midwife has been looking after women having their babies and you know some midwives work in delivery suite and in intensive care you know when things have gone wrong looking after women where they've had really traumatic experiences of childbirth and stuff but I've been with the home birth team as I've talked about so much so you know my big thing has been keeping things normal and averting emergencies so in that some ways that's why I'm jumping up and down so much saying you know we need to you know we needed to have acted 50 years ago actually but you know we need to act now but in terms of the emergency room um and what we do, the evidence is out there and there are very, very practical and, and you know, they appeal to me as midwife because they're straightforward, basic, not high tech things that need to be done. Um, and um, 
interestingly, I mean, people may well have been affected by some of the um, demonstrators who were blocking the roads around the M25 yesterday um, protesting for Insulate Britain. Now, you know, it's controversial, that form of action and how it impacts on people. But, you know, what they're protesting for, as um, the LBC um, radio person, James O'Brien, reported, they are right. The protest is irrelevant. It's absolutely essential. It's important. It's inconveniencing people and, you know, causing major destruction. But but the, the action needs to be taken. And I think the ironic and sort of, um, you know, the, 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 the sort of shocking aspect of that action is that their demand is so basic. The demand is insulate homes, insulate Britain. And it's like, why is the government not doing that? Why have we not been doing that? Um, it's like, come on, we need to. That's one of the most practical things that could make massive, massive difference. Um, I've got a few statistics if I can find them here. I'm not that good at statistics. I've done quite well so far with <laughs> saying a few things to you. But, you know, we've got. I'm glued to you at the moment, indeed. Oh, uh, oh in here we are. And here our listeners are as well. Listeners, yes. let's have the opportunity to remind you of the phone number again to join the conversation. It's 0121. Double seven two double eight nine two. Please do ring in and tell us. Are, have you changed? Have you done anything different in the last few weeks when you've heard about extinction rebellion or other environmental things that are happening? And have you thought about your life or what you, you're doing differently? So please do ring in and let us know. Sorry, Joe. Yes, you were saying. Oh, I found it here. There's a thing called households declare, and um, the statistic is that twenty percent—that's about a fifth of the total emissions of carbon and um, CO2 emissions in the UK—come from our 29 million homes mm-hmm. that are heated by gas boilers that emit carbon dioxide. So, you know, if we were to um, insulate those homes, it's very basic. And, you know, maybe we need to insulate a million a year and it would make it it, it take us 29 years. But, you know, we would we need to be on it starting now to make our homes efficient. At the moment, so many people are are, um, suffering fuel poverty. They're having to choose in the wintertime between heating their home or buying food. Um, and in the summertime, our, even our temperatures here are getting more extreme and our homes are getting too hot. And air conditioning isn't the answer. It's just that creates more CO2, which makes the situation worse. I don't know if people saw on the news yesterday. Obviously, this was reported, the Insulate Britain thing. Then, But just before it, there was footage from Karachi um, showing the experience of people in Karachi yesterday where they're experiencing extreme heat and just how unbearable it is living in that extreme heat. Now, I've been participating with you, Kathleen, on the WhatsApp support groups for pregnant and postnatal women through COVID, um, supporting them with their anxieties and concerns. You know, even like this summer we've had here, so many women worrying about their babies, they're too hot when it's too hot and how to keep them cool. And there's footage of a poor woman in Karachi, just how to keep her babies cool, how to, this heat is unbearable. And unfortunately, you know, this extreme heat is um, already impacting Nigeria, India, Pakistan, Karachi, sub-Saharan Africa. 
some parts of the world are not just becoming inhospitable areas to live, but actually uninhabitable. And so that's meaning that thousands, millions of people are going to be on the move because they cannot stay where they have lived for generations. So insulate our homes. That's a basic thing we can do. So number one, that's that's a really good point, and it's you know it's something that we can all do and think of, or even think if we're turning on the heating, do I need it that high? Can I make mm. it a degree less? Because mm. I'm sure we can. Can I put on a jumper? Yeah, <laughs> we're not putting on heating to go around in t-shirts. <laughs> yes, the thing is though, I think, and this is the upsetting aspect of it is. Over all these years, and still, there's a sort of, um, there's a, a, a very, almost playing with our minds way in which um, these things have been talked about, where it's been turned around and put on individuals as it being an individual responsibility. So, you know, saying, come on, insulate your home. Well, why should people who can't afford to insulate their home be being told that it's the role of our government is to look after us and to invest in things that will make you know make our lives tolerable and possible and uh, so it's a role i'd say of of government here to make it possible for people to they people shouldn't have to finance this themselves it needs to be financed centrally by government um and it shouldn't just be a, a something that people dabble in. Oh, you know, I've put in double glazing or triple glazing, but it needs to be comprehensive across the board and um, for people to all be able to do this properly. So that's just one example. Um, and then, you know, sort of, uh, I think that there is tremendous expertise. Well, people need to be educated about the issues in the first place so that they can get together. And this has been one of the things that's been... Um, uh, promoted is is for people to be involved to make their own decisions um, about about what needs to be done through perhaps citizens assemblies that sort of thing, um, and and um, you know sort of about transport. You've mentioned about electric cars, but really um, we need to be looking at basic transport provision for all people shouldn't be having to fork out for massive electric cars what about free public transport for all free buses and um, free train travel or you know some basic things that again will allow people to manage their lives and get cars off the road and um, and to decarbonize our our train system you know, and 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 how how these things are led. I think one of the things that's difficult is that um, there's been a lot of hype about new technologies that are coming down the line that will save us all. And if only we can sort of you know it, get these new technologies, they will save us, make all the difference. But actually, the the basic things we have at our fingertips already, we need to do, but we need to do them now and um, we need to we need to to reduce not reduce but but yeah drop to zero our emissions overnight to make the difference we need because we're already looking at one point we're already at 1.2 degrees of warming mm -hmm. and and um, we're looking at over two degrees of warming the way that things are going and um, which is serious 
Very serious indeed. Very serious. So, um, yes, we, you know, we need to, th these are things. And then also, I mean, about our diets, um, we, we need to change our habits radically because the factory farming that produces the meat and the, the food that we're eating is, um, is a massive emitter of carbon dioxide so they're very challenging things people don't like changing their habits i've i've taken a long time i i'm pretty much vegan now but um you know still eat occasional bits of cheese i do like a bit of cheese but i'm i'm very con just making much more conscious all my choices at every twist and turn um but again it's it's about incentivizing these habit changes with leadership with example we made the changes i think one of the most inspiring things that we've had over the last i can't remember when it was was it a decade ago when we banned smoking in public places mm -hmm. something like that yeah. i mean that was just we couldn't have imagined prior to that that um that change could have been brought about Exactly. That was exactly. And if it was, and, and, and everybody spoke about it, that it would never work, it would never happen. How could this happen? And and it has. You know, I remember traveling on airplanes where you had your smoking zone and your non-smoking zone. Yeah. <laughs> How did we survive? You know, because even in the non-smoking zone, you still had the smoke coming over you. Uh, but it has changed, and we've changed so much in, in this time. We're coming into a commercial break. We've only got a few seconds left. So listener, in this break, listeners, please do tune in to us after the commercial break. Do ring in. Do get, join in the conversation. Our number again is 0121-772-8892. Jo is here with me for the next half an hour. You can see how she's full of knowledge. And let us see what else we can put on the crash chart, the crash chart uh, inshallah, in the next break, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> 